Hey everyone, welcome back to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge where I have with me professional wrestler Josh Briggs who has wrestled for Chaotic Wrestling, Evolve, Beyond Wrestling, Northeast Wrestling, and World Wrestling Network to name a few, which is sort of Evolve. So thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now I am super stoked and we have to give a shout out to Anthony Green who made this happen. So thank you Anthony Green for starters. And I am very curious as you've been wrestling for about three and a half years, three and a half years, four years up to this point. How did you initially get involved in wrestling? Yeah, long story short, I played uh, college football at uh, the University of Massachusetts out here. It's a Division One school. It's the top of the line as far as football goes. But football ran its course. I had an option to pursue the NFL and nothing like extremely major. And I was kind of worn out on football. So I chose to start training. So the day after I graduated, I went home to Arizona and was spending a month with my family. The day I got off the plane to come back to Massachusetts, I started training for a professional wrestling. So lost a couple uh, dips and dodges and dives happened along the way, but it was a kind of unique thing that kind of fell into my lap. And now let's talk about your training, because obviously you have that football background. What was that entire experience like for you? Because the modern day wrestler goes and finds a school to train at. How did that all come together? I just looked at professional wrestling schools in the area. And luckily enough, one of the best schools on the planet is sort of right down the street. I mean, it's an hour away, but it's still in my neck of the woods, the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. It's where pretty much everyone who's from the Northeast is trained under uh, Sasha Banks, Donovan Dijak, Biff Busick, who's only working in the WWE. Flip Gordon, me and AG are trained by them. It's got a hefty list of people, but as far as training goes, I was in extremely good shape from football. I've always been really competitive just because of my athletic background. So getting right into training, I kind of picked everything up really fast and I didn't let myself leave until I had something correct. And my body was really used to getting beat down from football. So pro wrestling was just another day in the office, realistically. And to talk a little bit even more about your training, you were trained by Brian Fury, who was the head trainer at New England Pro Wrestling Academy, as well as Mike Hollow. What was this like working with both of these guys? And how was your training broken up between the physical aspects of wrestling and the psychological aspects of wrestling? So for my first six months of wrestling, I was trained by Mike Hollow. He gave me all of the basis. He's one of the best beginners coaches on the planet. He had a hand in training Triple H. Matt Bloom, who was the head trainer down at NXT, China, he took over for Terry Kowalski once Kowalski passed away. But he taught me all the basics, and that's probably the most important thing to learn in wrestling, and to learn it fast from him was awesome. But there was a lot of things that I got to spend time talking with him, pick his brain, because most of the training was just one-on-one. And sometimes talking about wrestling and talking about lessons that you've learned in wrestling and around wrestling, it's more important than getting in the ring and bumping. After that, I kind of picked up everything that Mike Paulo had to offer. He sent me down to Brian. Brian was a breath of fresh air. Brian was an independent wrestler. He knew how to wrestle indie style, and he taught me how to put a match together and everything important. Basically, who I am as a wrestler is the product of Brian Fury. Who Josh Briggs is as a whole, who I am as a character, most of my moveset is based on things that me and Brian talked about or things that Brian used to do psychology of wrestling is something that he was really big on and once i got to brian he kind of unlocked a different type of wrestler in me and i really started picking it up extremely fast at that point 
And we're going to talk about some of your matches. And I think that's going to play out or you're going to describe that. But I'm also curious, because you've only been wrestling for about four years at this point, what is the biggest piece of advice that you got from both of these guys that you still use today? Because you are very new in the wrestling world. There are so many pieces of advice, and it's so tough to answer that question because something I can't really pinpoint. But I guess off the top of my head, probably the most important thing that was ever talked about was between me and Brian, and it was that I had to wrestle as many places and as much as possible early on so that I could have bad matches and I can wrestle bad people. You don't really understand why until you do it. And after you wrestle a couple of bad people, you get really down on yourself. And then after you get down on yourself, you kind of learn to pick yourself back up and understand that wrestling is kind of a numbers game of failure. Once you fail, you can learn to get better. I think maybe not the best piece of advice, but the one that's sticking out in my mind right now is just wrestle as often as possible and wrestle as many people as possible. And now I want to change gears. And I think this is the perfect place to change gears because you've had a lot of matches and your career really has gone from zero to 60 in a snap of a finger. And 2016, you only had one match, and that was against Brick Mustone. You're probably looking at my cage side thing. I mean, there's plenty more matches. I can give you a modified rundown of my career better than cage side can. I had 16 matches in 2016. So you've had 16 matches in 2016, and I'm going on cage sides as cage match and i'm not yeah, fully yeah. aware of them but obviously this was the beginning of your career what were those matches like because you were wrestling a lot of guys in the new england area it was fun i was portraying a different character than josh briggs at the end of the year was when josh briggs came about i was doing a whole different thing but at that time it was really new and fun i never really got nervous that's something that a lot of people are surprised about but from my football background, I've played in front of probably more people than I'll ever wrestle in front of. Just the sheer number of places that I played football in front of that had 150,000 people in the seats and on CBS or NBC or ESPN. It's pretty tough to get rattled when you go from that to 200 people in a live, intimate setting. It was really fun, and I just tried to learn. It was really all a learning process and getting as many reps in as possible. And that was around the time when I started talking to Brian Fury. I'm sure if you're going by the cage match, you'll see that by 2017 was a little bit ridiculous and kind of wore my body down to the point of how many matches I had. Yeah, we're going to talk about 2017 because in chaotic wrestling, you had a phenomenal run and you were in a ridiculous amount of matches and i kind of want to talk about a few people who you teamed up with and one of them was christian casanova and tripolicious on two occasions and you faced a bunch of teams anthony green cam zagami who's a bit difficult as of lately elia marconis and team avery the mill city hooligans team nepwa just to name a few in the New England scene, what was this like teaming up with Christian Casanova and Triple to face all these teams? Tag teams really aren't my thing. They never have been. They never really 
will be. I didn't get the wrestling to be a stand on uh, apron for 50% of a match. To me, honestly, it was more frustrating than anything. I don't like being in a tag team, and it's not where I shine. It's not where my charisma comes out. It's shooting the fans if you have me in a tag team match, I believe. So there's a plus side to every negative, and I think that me being in those matches so early on, I got to learn how to be a tag team wrestler, and I guess maybe because I don't do it as much, it's a lot more difficult than being a single wrestler. There's more people that you have to worry about in just the way that I am is I worry about everything. I am in control of what happens in every match, and that's just the way I like to have it done. It was a nice little learning experience and a good thing to get under my belt, but I wasn't in love with it. And the reason why I bring up Christian Casanova is that following these matches, you were very quickly elevated into the Chaotic Wrestling New England title picture, which is pretty much, for those who are unaware of Chaotic Wrestling, is it's kind of the intercontinental belt that WWE has to some degree. And one of your first opponents was Christian Casanova for that belt. What was it like going up against him, considering that you worked with him on the same side before? It was a long time coming. There's a lot of storylines that built uh, me and Christian wrestling. And I think Christian is an amazing wrestler. He's very good at everything. He has a really great future. So to wrestle with him is pretty cool. We've kind of taped paths to ourselves that have crossed a few times. It's always a pleasure to wrestle him. I think he's one of the best that hasn't really been discovered thus far in wrestling. And this match ended in a DQ. And then Donovan Dijak was inserted into a triple threat rematch between the two of you. What was that like? Because he's his own beast. And on top of that, triple threat matches change everything from a singles match. Dijak's the man. Dijak's great. It was a really cool opportunity for young Josh Briggs to have a match with Dijak and had had one previously up to this point. But always being in there with him, a big time learning experience and a big time confidence boost. And big in wrestling, if you have confidence, you can control the world. As far as the triple threat, it's two different people, two different guys you have to worry about as far as putting a match together, positioning and all of that stuff. Triple threat's a lot of fun. It means that you can highlight two different people. It's a different story that you can tell, a different style of match that you can have. So being there with Dijak and Christian, too, three very creative people, very passionate people about professional wrestling. That was one of my favorite matches from that year. And things happen in wrestling that are unforeseen. Events happen, twists and turns happen, and this title became vacated. And a tournament was set up where you faced Adam Booker, Chase Del Montaigne, JT Dunn, all in one night to win the title. And we talk about confidence boosters. What was it like for you not to beat only one guy, but to beat three opponents to win what I think is your first title? I always wanted to push myself, push my body, find out what I can do. And three matches in one night, it's a lot on your body. It's a lot of mental as well. And two of those matches were very long. That was probably my biggest test up to this point in my career was the three matches in one night. It's a lot. It's a very proud moment for me. I remember my fiance was in the crowd. She got to watch it and everything. And it was very cool for me in my early career. And it was a hell of a challenge that I thought I answered very well. And how did it make you feel that Chaotic Wrestling trusted you enough to hold their belt? And you held that belt for over 300 days as well. It was a really long reign. It's awesome that companies have faith in me. They surprise me. You know, one day when I'm out and someone notices me, it's very unique. One day when, when I get a message and I get told I'm going to be holding the most important belts in professional wrestling, it surprises me. It's a very weird world. It's an honor, I guess. The honor to receive the title, it's an honor to be in professional wrestling. It's very cool. 
And I mentioned that you held on to this belt for 300 days and you did not have easy opponents while defending this belt. And I'm going to just go through a list here. You faced Christian Casanova, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, MJF, who people are noticing now, Congo, Ethan Page, who is amazing at what he does, Brian Minones, Eddie Edwards, who is a Boston native, Brian Logan, Matt Logan, the Dirty Daddy himself, Chris Dickinson, and you also faced Anthony Green. What was it like going up against these guys? Because these are some of the best. It was one of my favorite streaks of my career. I thought every time I was on a show that I had to tear the house down, and it didn't matter who I was in there with, but I got lucky enough to be the match on the card that was supposed to tear the house down. Chaotic gave me all of those professional wrestlers to wrestle. The fact that they wanted me to wrestle with them was awesome. Those are all some of the best wrestlers on the planet. And wrestling them was a great opportunity for me to learn, a great opportunity for me to build confidence, a great opportunity to make a name for myself. Without those matches, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Those were the first real big matches for me. The way I view it is that you almost brought prestige to the title with some of these matches. Do you feel that you brought that prestige to the title and sort of made it something so that eventually when you did drop it to Anthony Green, it actually meant something? Yeah, it's always my goal when I have a championship to elevate the title, in my opinion, and I think pretty much everyone else's opinion, it was the most important thing of the show. There was no storyline about it. It was just, I know that this match, this New England title is going to have the best match on the show. So whatever the match is, Josh is going to be in there and he's going to try and kill him himself and his opponents have a good match. I think that registered with everyone who ever bought a ticket while I was champion. I think that registered with the company, with the locker room. As far as how I performed, I'm very, very happy with all of that. And I did just mention two names and two wrestlers. We just briefly spoke about Anthony Green. As I'd like to continue to speak about Anthony Green, because the two of you are friends, and we're going slightly out of order here. But how did that friendship, A, form? And what is it like to continuously wrestle against him and with him and be involved with him and you dropped the title to him and it meant something so what is that like and how did that form i don't exactly know how it formed you know what actually let me just give you the timeline maybe it'll jog my memory while i'm talking about it so along my really early training when i was with mike hollow anthony green came to the school and he needed something filmed because he was trying to get into what was then called tna and he wanted to do this hokey gimmick so he came in and I was working on a transitional move and I was having like a quick thought. It wasn't perfect yet. And I was just drilling it into my head. Anthony Green rolls into the rings and he does this thing that I was trying to do. He doesn't explain how to do it. He just did it. And then crotch chopped and said something very abrasive. At that point in my mind, I was like, this is the guy who I'm supposed to hate for the rest of my life. So some time goes by in my head. I'm like, I hate this Anthony Green guy. I just don't like him. So I get started training with Brian Fury and AG's at the school a bunch. And we build a camaraderie. You know, one day after training, I think he asked if I wanted to go to Denny's, I believe. And we sat down and we talked and we became buddies then. I think that was really it. But it started off very rocky just because of how he is as a person, a goofball. I just thought I was supposed to hate him. But now that I'm with him so often, there's been times where we've been together for weeks on end. He's my best friend. He's a groomsman in my wedding. And some of my most important memories in my entire life are with him and involve him. He's part of my family. He's one of my best friends. 
And one of what I view as a fan, one of the most important memories, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the two of you were on the WWE Network for Evolve's 10th anniversary show, which was dubbed a future match. That's one of those memories. And to be in the ring with him, you know, I'm one of the top guys in Evolve, and I had my choice of who to wrestle, and I chose AG. I just knew that the match was going to be awesome. I didn't really want to wrestle anyone else. It was a pretty important day for me, and it was even more important for him. I knew he would work hard. He wouldn't let me down. I wouldn't let him down no matter what. And to be in there with my best friend was just the cherry on top of one of the most memorable days of my entire life and the emotions and the feelings and everything that happened afterwards are documented on the evolves twitter and all the instagram and all of that i don't cry too often just all the emotions hit me at one time of how important and how good the match was and just how special it was to be there and to be there with him in that moment so i could talk for the rest of my life about it it was a very special moment to me very near and dear to my heart and as much as I want to continue to talk about AG, because he was on the podcast for those who want to hear what he has to say. He says very nice things about you, too. So no worries there. Please don't hurt me. But the other person I want to talk about, and this is a bit more contentious, and I think you know who I'm going to say, but it's MJF. As the two of you have gone back and forth, and there was an incident at American Rana, which can be watched on IWTV. They have a phone app now, so if you want to download a phone app and watch American Rana and all the Beyond Uncharted Territory episodes on your phone at your leisure. It's coming back in October, everybody. So how did this rivalry start, and is it going to be resolved with everything that happened at American Rana? As far as it being resolved, I think that's the plan. We're the only match announced for September 22nd Beyond Wrestling Show. It's a really important match for Beyond as far as the storyline goes. So, you know, Matt started about a year before me. He exploded, and I kind of had the same pathway of upward trajectory around similar time when he did. And I think that was just a local match that everyone wanted. We got two guys in the Northeast that are new, young. Let's lock them down for our company for a while, and let's have them wrestle. Besides Anthony Green, there's probably not many people that I've had more matches with than Max. They're all some of my favorite matches, I think, Max is the man. He's an awesome professional wrestler. I guess that's how it all happened. Hey, we got a big guy that's starting to gain some popularity, and we got this young, handsome, charismatic asshole who is starting to gain some popularity. Let's throw him in there and see what happens. I guess everyone ever booked it. The first time it happened was at a Beyond Studio taping, and that's how I got my job with Beyond, was having that match and having it be so good. I'm now one of Drew's one of the owner of Beyond's trusty assistants. I guess it's all written in stone. And what is that like for you, though, to get to wrestle somebody who then explodes out of nowhere and he is going to AEW? So what is that like? It doesn't matter to me. I've wrestled a lot more people that are a lot more important than Max than a lot more things. Max is Max. I've known him forever. Just because he's going to a company doesn't mean nothing to me. Maybe it means something to other people, but he's just my buddy, just my friend that I've known for a while. Slept on my floor spend the night in my house. Just normal Max to me. It's awesome for his success and I'm extremely proud of him. I know how hard he works and how much he cares and his whole story. But him going to a company is the same thing if you asked him how would he feel if I was going to the WWE. I'm just Josh to him. We're just buddies. And now to back out of that, and I do want to talk about 
two more things that happened in 2017 before we dive into 2018. And that is your involvement in the 2017 Ox Baker Memorial Cup as you won the thing and you faced people like Corey Michaels, JP O'Reilly, Mike Gracia, TJ Richard, Dan Terry, Robo, and Todd Harris, to name a few. And obviously we talk about confidence and getting a push and getting attention. What was that like in Northeast Championship Wrestling? Honestly, don't really remember this too much. There's a lot of things that kind of just get knocked out of your head. I guess it must have been awesome. I really don't got much of an answer. I didn't remember this happened. I'm sure it was awesome. All those guys you named, a lot of them are pretty good wrestlers, so it must have been fun. And the final match of 2017 I want to talk about is your bout with Jack Swagger. This was Jack Swagger's first independent wrestling matches. He's gracious enough to let me call it and lead it in there and everything. As far as the confidence boost goes, to be in there with him and to have him, you know, let me take the reins, that was pretty important to me. I love Jack. He's awesome. And he's tearing up MMA right now, but it's always good to see him when I see him. And now let's dive into 2018, because I think this is where things are about to get fun, because we're going to be talking about Beyond Wrestling, and they offer some of the best. And I'm just going to name a bunch of names who you wrestled, including Ricky Shane Page, who is kind of a founding member of Beyond and a cornerstone of that company, David Starr, who is killing it, Dave Yen, Kimberly, Jonathan Gresham, Brody King at American Rana. What was it like going up against these people, in particular, Ricky Shane Page and David Starr? Because those guys are amazing. I'm extremely lucky to have ever gained the trust of Drew Cordero, the owner of Beyond Wrestling. I would not be the wrestler person. I would not be in a position I am without him and his trust and his love and his friendship. For him to give me so many big matches, basically 2018, after I had that match with Keith Lee on New Year's 2017, Heavy Life the Crown, he basically just said, who do you want to wrestle and we'll make it happen. And that's basically what 2018 was for me. It was just the who's who on the indies wrestling me. There were so many matches. Beyond was running two to three times a month at this point. And I just got so good so fast because of all of the talent that Drew brought into WrestleMania. If you work with the best on the planet at something, you're just going to start getting better. And that's how it was for Beyond every single show. And we're going to continue to talk about this because obviously DJC was in there, Matt Riddle, Martin Stone, and Walter, and all those guys were in Evolve or coming into Evolve or were in NXT and were working both shows. And they were brought in as well to some degree. So again, we talk about the best. What was it like going up against them too? same thing, man. It's just some real intense battles. Walter specifically stands out as one of the turning points of my wrestling career. He was so good, man. So real. And after I wrestled him, it pretty much unlocked a form of wrestling for me and a style of wrestling that I didn't know was okay to do until I wrestled him. He really hits you very, very hard, but very safely. There was always a part of me that was afraid to hit people really hard. And once I saw Walter doing it, it kind of told me that it was okay, and that's kind of how Josh Briggs took the next step. Same thing with Riddle. Same thing with all of them. They're talking about the best in the world. They're all signed to WWE for a reason. They're all signed to NXT. They're all some of the top independent wrestlers on the face of the planet. Some of the best wrestlers on the face of the planet. I got extremely lucky to wrestle most of them on their way out where they have their best last matches on the independent scene. So, I'm forever thankful to Beyond. I'm forever thankful to all those guys for trusting me with their bodies and trusting me to deliver on some of their last matches. And I can't say enough about how important those matches were to me. 
And some of these guys might have prepared you for your last match of this year that I want to talk about and beyond, which was against Nick Gage. And this was a fans bring the weapons match. So this is a whole different ball game on what those matches were because this is a war, how I would describe it. So what was that like? I hold that match in very high regard. It has a very special place in my heart. It was my first time doing a death match and it was my first time wrestling Nick. It was just very, very fun. I can't describe it any other way than fun. I was always one of those people who loved death match wrestling and I always thought there was a very big place for it in professional wrestling. So I just never really understood why people would do it and then I did it and then it started making sense to me. It was extremely, extremely fun to do. There's a different story that you can tell. That's basically what we do as professional wrestlers. We tell stories and every once in a while be able to tell a different story of actual life and actual death. That's just something that's so neat and unique to only that style of wrestling. There's so much higher stakes in those type of matches. Uh, I think there's a lot more investment from people who are interested. I love that match. My fiance didn't love the match. She was there and she was crying her eyes out. She did not have a good night that night. She was afraid that I was going to get hurt. I want to talk about that. That's so interesting to me. So how do you prepare for a match like that? How do you prepare physically and mentally and make sure that you are as safe as you can be in one of those matches? I mean, you don't really get to train to be safe in those matches. It's different with the fans bring the weapons match because you don't really get to look at the weapons too much beforehand. So they put like glass shards and you know syringes and stuff into what they brought. In the past, there's been people who've been just expelled from beyond for doing that. Someone like tried to sneak glass light bulbs into something. It's extremely disappointing that fans would actually try and do that and harm wrestlers unknowingly. There are techniques that you learn on on how to and where to hit, where to fall. But that just comes with basic wrestling training. Everything else is kind of just you swing and hope for the best. In that sense, a little nerve-wracking, but I knew I was in there with one of the best on the planet. God forbid anything went wrong. I'm sure that Nick would have known what to do. It was basically like wrestling John Cena in there. I was not worried at all. I was very comfortable. It was just a match to me. The second that I was just having so much fun, it's just such a different feel, such a different energy. You have to get yourself in a different type of mindset to have those type of matches. And I want to leave that there because fans should go find that match and watch it because it really is a wonderful match to see. Except if you're faint at heart, you know, you might want to skip it. But I do want to talk about Evolve slash World Wrestling Network as they are the same. You are signed to World Wrestling Network. And I don't want to get into too much of the contract stuff, but I am very curious Evolve is one of the few companies slash promotions that work with WWE. What was that like when you became a part of them, knowing that they work closely with WWE, that they have stars from NXT who come in and wrestle on their shows, that you get to wrestle NXT superstars or people who are just starting to get there or going to be there in the next few months? When I signed my contract with Evolve, none of that was happening. I've been with Evolve for a little over a year now. And that stuff started happening about seven, eight months ago. So there was times where it was just Biddle who was still on Independence. You could see basically anywhere. And Shane Strickland. For lucky enough, we get Walter and Darby and Austin. It was my first opportunity to sign a contract and I have rules in my mind and I won't go through all of them because a lot of them are very personal, but my first rule in wrestling as far as the contract goes was sign the first one so that you can build popularity. 
And that's what I did. I got my first contract offer. Didn't really matter where it was. It just so happened to be probably one of the best places I could offer me a contract at the time. And, you know, it did just what I wanted it to. I wanted to wrestle for Evolve, and I wanted to build popularity. So I wrestled for Evolve, and I built popularity. We were just wrestling. We were just trying to have good matches, trying to set the world on fire as far as independent wrestling goes. And then we were just all so lucky and blessed that Gabe was able to work so hard and earn the trust of Triple H to get a couple of the guys to come down from NXT. Ever since then, it's been a whole different ballgame. Just humongous crowds of people who are just there to see just the best wrestling on the planet. We're there to see an evolved wrestler, an independent wrestler, wrestle a... NXT superstar. It's so unique. It's so unique to anything else that's happening on independent wrestling. And I want to jump to 2019 to talk about that because you've wrestled a bunch of people in NXT, such as Cassius Ono, also known as Chris Hero. You've been in a match with Johnny Gargano on a few occasions. So what is that like for you getting to wrestle some of the best in NXT? People who have held belts, people who have been top on the indie who are now in WWE or NXT system and you're there and you're killing it. What does that do for you as a confidence booster? That's really it, man. It's always going to come back to confidence. I had a conversation with Tommaso Ciampa about how he switched over to the next level and how he became who he was. And it was confidence. That was the answer. It was confidence. Confidence is the biggest thing in professional wrestling. To have a confidence boost, it's very important. So I wrestled so many good guys along my career. And to wrestle Chris Hero was a dream match. It was built as my dream match. There was a storyline behind it. It was one of my first matches coming back from injury. I think it was my second match coming back from my horrific injury. And it was such an important match for me. It wasn't the fact that he was in NXT because because that doesn't matter to me. He's just a wrestler. The thing around that match was that he is genuinely one of the best on the planet. He will always be one of the best to have ever wrestled. He's one of the best big dudes who's ever wrestled. He's so smart. He's a guy that I've emulated a lot of my stuff from. I think he's just a man. That was a very, very important, very special match for me. That match was basically like my coming out party in a ball. That weekend was my first weekend back and show everyone that I was better than I'd ever been coming off of a career-threatening injury. You know, that was my goal. As far as Johnny Gargano wrestling him and many other NXT guys that I've wrestled now at this point, it's an honor more than anything because of how much they've learned. They've learned so much from being on the indies to coming back and giving what they've learned now from all of these masterminds of professional wrestling down in Florida. It's a great learning experience, and they're all so willing to give all this information to help us. Johnny's one of the coolest guys I've ever met in wrestling. He's just a normal guy who loves wrestling. Anyone who loves wrestling, they're just one of my favorite people because I can understand. And you mentioned your injury. Briefly want to talk about that because wrestling is a physical thing, for lack of a better word here. It's dangerous. People get hurt all the time. You know, people should not be pretending to be wrestlers because it is real. And what happened for those who don't know? And how does that change your mentality going into matches? And how does it affect you? And you're better now. Assuming we could talk about it. Yeah. I've always had a lot to talk about when injury comes, so I'll kind of just chop it up into sound bites of what sounds best. So I had a match in Queens, New York with one of the best wrestlers to ever wrestle, A.R. Fox, and it was 
one of the best matches I'd ever had. And me and Fox had wrestled so many times before, and we'd done so many of these things before. The end of the match was supposed to be, I had this move where I do a choke slam to a guy, I lift him up as high as I can, and I drop to my back and put my knees up, and the guy falls across my knees. So I did that off the top rope, and I've done it to Fox off the top rope before, and I've done it to a bunch of other people before. This time, I just miscalculated, and I landed incorrectly, and I had a complete posterior hip dislocation. I pinned Fox, and the second the match was over, I told one of my best buddies, Jay Clemens, the ref, that my hip was dislocated. I knew instantly what happened. My legs were pinned together. I couldn't move, and basically, in layman's terms, since I'm guessing you don't have too many doctors listening, the ball that keeps your leg attached to your torso shot out the back of my butt cheek, and it was sitting on the canvas, pushing through the muscle. It was still inside of my body, obviously, but it had destroyed all of the tendons around my groin, my hip, and my butt cheek. And it had just obliterated basically all of the muscle to the point where I couldn't move my leg at all. My legs were pinned together. I had to go to the hospital. I got put under for anesthesia and they reduced it, put it back into place. So I was able to sort of move my leg a little bit. Then came the long, long healing process. I was supposed to be four months. It ended up being seven weeks. The first week, I couldn't walk. I couldn't move my leg. But it was one of the most important times in my entire life. I got to learn a lot about myself. I got to learn what was important. I got to spend a lot of time with my two cats and my fiance. I got to learn that professional wrestling isn't to be taken for granted. I got to relearn how to walk, learn how to become a better wrestler, and to wrestle safer for myself. And I just engulfed myself in professional wrestling again. All I thought about was how to do things differently than everyone else. And I think that's where after I got injured and I came back, I had a different mindset than most people. I look at wrestling a lot differently than I ever did. Long story short, getting injured and not being able to walk again was one of the best things that could ever happen to me. But it was a really serious injury. That injury only happens in car accidents because your legs would smash against the dashboard with so much force. So it was an extremely serious injury, supposed to be the most painful injury you could have. It was rough. It was not fun to have dealt with it. And now I want to talk about one more match and evolve. And it's been recent. And I think this is a much happier note for the person who you tagged with. And I think you know who I'm talking about. You got to tag with Orange Cassidy, of all people. And the guy is doing something that nobody's ever done in wrestling before. And you faced Arturo Ruasa and Austin Theory. What was this like, considering who Orange Cassidy is? I love Orange Cassidy. He's been in so many locker rooms with me, and we've formed this friendship. It's always awesome to see him because he doesn't have too often around me anymore. We're just on different wavelengths now. I just love being around him. He's just a genuine guy. <laughs> I love everything he's done. He's became one of my favorite wrestlers just to watch. He's so unique and so clever, and he's a trendsetter. He is the fourth founding father of this day and age of wrestling that we watch today. It's so awesome to see him do his stuff and to be in there and to throw ideas around each other. Just sitting there thinking to myself how goofy this is and how much I love it. It's just my favorite thing ever. And, you know, we wrestled Austin Theory and Arturo Ross, and I'm not a big fan of Austin. It's not wrestling. It's just one of the guys I don't really like being around. I love that match. I have to hit Austin a little harder than I normally hit people. It is what it is, right? 
And I just want to give everybody an idea of who Orange Cassidy is. And I think this is the best way how to describe him is that he is sort of like Joey Ryan. What Joey Ryan was doing about seven, eight years ago is what Orange Cassidy's doing just with a new spin on it. But he's in that wavelength and that idea and that pioneering in wrestling. I'm trying to get people on Orange Cassidy here. And then the final promotion I want to talk about, and I think it's only appropriate we end on it, considering that the season just ended for Beyond. It's back. I think on October 1st and October 3rd. Two shows on IWTV, which is now on phone and Android, and you can watch that on your computer. We need to get them an Xbox One app. Make me very happy. But you faced a lot of people and beyond this year, and we're just going to go through the list here. Chris Dickinson, Solo Darling, VSK, who was your return, your seven-week return, David Starr, Nick Gage, Chuck Whitebelt O'Neill. If Chuck's listening, please don't hurt me. Ken Doan, who is Kenny from WWE, and I know he is not wearing a cheerleader outfit prescribed by DX. Richard Holiday, who was really good on commentary. Chris Stratenlander. Joey Janela, who was AEW bound, who just had a fantastic match at American Rana. The Butcher and the Blade. Ethan Page, to name a few. What were these matches like for you? I touched on a little bit. Me and Drew Cordero, the owner, are really close friends. And this was an idea that he had that I got to see the inner workings of and the beginning of. It evolved into a beast that no one could cage at this point now. I don't think any of us knew it was going to be this. But this was something that we were working towards, and this was something that was extremely important to the success or the failure of Beyond Us. So I was very emotionally invested in this for my friend and for me and for the company that I work for that it's so closely just tied into my heart. So, I mean, to say that I was bringing in every single match was very understated. Every match for me had to be good. Every match was life or death in the sense that if I failed, that is an option that the show could fail and then that me and Drew and Chris and Alan and Jerry and John, we could all fail and then we lose what we love. But all of those matches to me were my best body of work. I don't know if it was that mindset going into it, if it was just being on a Wednesday and it was just a different time of the day for me to wrestle. But those were, I can look back and just be very, very proud of weekly wrestling, storytelling continually, week to week to week to week to week. I got to being a major part of something so intricate and so special and so unique and so game-changing, pardon the pun, for professional wrestling. And the first couple of weeks, I was still on the mend from my injury. I still wasn't able to properly walk, so I was doing commentary. I was very, very thankful that Drew and Jerry believed in me enough to sit there and talk and think everyone kind of realized that once wrestling's over for me, I still have a hell of a career in color commentary. It was a lot of fun for me, but it was also extremely difficult to sit on the sideline and watch my buddies wrestle and some of these people wrestle who got brought in to just get a payday and not really care about what we were doing. There was a couple of times where that happened where we were not happy and be times where I'd go home and be very, very upset about the efforts that some people put in that weren't regulars there who didn't really understand what we were doing. But it was all positive for me. Besides that, it was probably the most rewarding time in my life as far as professional wrestling goes. It was definitely my best body of work. It was awesome to just see my friends every single Wednesday. And the final match I want to talk about, and I think this is the cherry on the cake and really solidifies everything that we spoke about and what you just said, was your American Rana match with Johnny Impact or Johnny Foxwoods. 
however he wants to identify himself. And he is from Impact Wrestling. So what was that like? And I know you don't care about what promotions, but what was it like to really face a guy who has done it all in a variety of promotions and has been a top guy for years? That was really cool. I don't know exactly how to put it other than I really admired John for everything he did in his wrestling career and for how he's just been the top guy forever, man. Just been like the must-see dude. It really fit into the whole storyline. An unintentional great segue of me complaining about these people who come in and get paydays and don't really care about what we're doing. It doesn't really matter to them. And that was kind of the storyline that was built around this match. And John was pretty much the exact opposite of a guy who comes in and cares about a payday. He busted his ass. He wanted to do every single thing that I wanted to do. We worked extremely well together. I fell in love with him as a person. He's an awesome, awesome guy. I've crossed paths with him a few times in wrestling, but, you know, I get to know him a little bit and really get to kind of pick his brain a little bit and have one of my favorite matches, you know? I got to learn from a guy who, like you said, done it all, man, but he's been around for so long and just stayed so unique and so in demand. And I think that's the perfect place to end. But before we go, I am curious, and I know we're missing a lot of matches and skipping a lot of stuff, but you've been wrestling for about three to four years at this point. What advice do you have for people who want to get into wrestling? Probably the best piece of advice. Go to the gym, be athletic, and try your hardest. People who aren't that good, who try hard, succeed a lot more than people who are good that don't try that hard. And your body's going to break down so much faster if you don't go to the gym. If you don't have some form of athleticism, it's going to be extremely hard. There's people who've done it. But it's going to be extremely, extremely hard. And most normal civilians who have not done some type of sport or some type of something to push their body and push their mind, it's going to be very hard to stick through. So go to the gym, be athletic, and try hard. And then finally, I would like to give you an opportunity to promote yourself. Do you have a Twitter, Facebook page, Instagram, merchandise? Yeah, you can just find me on the Josh Briggs on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to follow me as a friend on Facebook, it's kind of a waste of your time, but it's Josh Briggs. I don't post anything on Facebook, really. But just Josh Briggs, I don't really care about merch too much. Come to a wrestling show and buy something from me. Or if you really see a shirt that I'm promoting, message me on one of those forms. I don't really do the pro wrestling tees or any of that stuff. I don't like their whole fine line details in their stuff. So if you want something, message me. If you want to say hi to me, you can just shoot me a message or a tweet or whatever the hell. As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. And we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitch Radio and anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can definitely check us out at popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture, as well as give us a follow on Twitter at popanimecomics, like our Facebook page, Pop Anime Comics. You can also buy my shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. Just type in Pop Anime Comics and you can find it. It's an elf holding a steel chair and she tends to get violent when people don't buy my shirt. So she doesn't want to have to come to your house and hit you with it. So please buy it. And until next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.